When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis. And today we are covering Block Party's debut record from 2005, Silent Alarm. Dude. I just found out that you are not really familiar with this album, other than the mega singles that everyone knows. And that just fills me with joy, dude. I'm about to share some choice tunes with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I know Banquet, and I know Helicopter. Now, just hearing that intro song, I've, I've heard it before. So, like, I, I bet you I've listened to this record, but it's probably been maybe over a decade since I... I listened to to the album all the way through. If I've ever done that before, looks like there's a lot of singles on this record, dude. There is, yeah. Which is crazy because I just thought Banquet and Helicopter were the singles. So. Well, and those those are the two songs that like you know put them on the world stage. Yeah. But Helicopter and Banquet, they're not really good representations of um, like the more, I guess, experimental stuff that you're going to hear on this album. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the genres that are listed on their Wikipedia page. Post-punk revival, art punk, and dance punk. So, yeah, that's probably what puts them sort of in their own separate category uh, when compared to, like, The Strokes and Interpol, the Yeah, 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 all the other uh, post-punk stuff that was happening at that time, right? Right, right. And that's something that they uh, set out to do. So members of the band we've got, and I'm just going to do first names, dude, you know? That way we don't have to keep screwing up people's last names. <laughs> Nobody needs last names. So we've got Kelly, 
He's the lead singer. He writes most of the songs. Rhythm guitar as well. We've got Russell, lead guitar. So they are the founding members. They met in 99, and they started a band together. We've got Gordon on bass and Matt on drums. So electronic dance music was a huge influence in how they put their songs together. That's really what made them stand out, I think. But, you know, again, you know, if you listen to Helicopter or Banquet, I feel like it just, you know, it feels more like, I don't know, like Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. The thing that always stood out to me about Banquet was the the back and forth guitar. The, the main guitar riff is like this back and forth between the two guitar players or they, there's like an effect on it or something like that. But I, I think it's... I think it's the guitar players kind of going back and forth, which would be, I guess, the lead singer and um, what was the guitar player's name? Russell. Russell. Yeah. Yeah, which I always thought was so, so awesome. I remember I, like I had a, a delay pedal, mm-hmm. you know, where you can just have a delay, like a loop, like a looping pedal. And I tried to, and I got it to work, I think, once. Well, like I, I looped it and was able to play back in the two parts, like with myself nice. in my bedroom, you know. Uh, anyway, I think they did that live, like, together. They would alternate, and I thought that was such a cool sound. But I'm curious to, to hear kind of what else these guys do on this record. Yeah, and I'm and I'm bringing songs that uh, are a little bit different and, you know, kind of highlight that dance punk side of, yeah, of yeah. Block Party. Cool. So that intro song is called Positive Tension. It's a single, but it's one of my favorites, so it's... That's why I snuck it in there as, as an intro song. But yeah, so I'm going to quote Kelly again. This is just going to be a, a music-heavy episode. I don't have too much info uh, from this era. I read a bunch of articles, pulled some, some quotes here, but it's going to be mostly music today, dude. So I'm going to quote Kelly again here. He says, Our idea of modern rock is really rooted in what is happening right now in terms of the musical consciousness. Electronica, R&B, and pop informs how we put songs together. Uh, And then, so, they're big fans of Radiohead, and he says here, They are a mainstream rock band who are completely aware of their limitations. They are willing to try things that are unnatural to them. Radiohead realized, as we have, that the essence of what is going to make rock music survive into the next century is if people start mixing styles that aren't supposed to be together. That's a really great description of Radiohead. Yeah. And we talked about we talked about um that moment, I guess, after uh what was it? After um, after the bins? After the bins where Yeah. Where they where where uh Tom was just kind of over like the the, the you know the rock star yeah, uh, the, the lifestyle and Yeah, the what was being expected. lumped into that category, right? Yeah, like the the, the generic like formula and stuff he was just tired of writing it remember he said he was tired of guitars remember yeah he said he was just he was over it like you know what i mean that's probably kind of what what he's referring to here the block party guys is when they realize that like you got to start mixing it up make it sound different yeah kelly was interviewed just shortly after the album came out and yeah he was just saying you know at the time i was just listening to a lot of electronic you know dance music and that just kind of, uh, you know, because of that, it just kind of happened. Like, it was intentional, but it wasn't. A lot of it was just because of what he was into at the time. There's kind of, I mean, there's a little bit of like, 
I'm reminded of the Foles guys too, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, dude. And that's kind of dance punky almost. Right? For sure, yeah. Like that uh math rock mm-hmm. sound. Yeah. All right, dude, let's play our first pick. So we're going to play the opening track, dude. And I've got two clips from this one. Such an awesome opener for an album, dude. And uh, I think this is a good representation of what made them stand out. So this is, again, track one from Silent Alarm. This song is called Like Eating Glass. I have heard it before, but yeah, it's been a long time. So going back to like the math rock comparison, I think the drums and the bass, you know, I think that's something we've talked about before. Like with math rock songs, the drums are always doing something crazy, uh, really complicated. And, and sometimes the, the guitar and stuff might be a little bit more like subdued and stuff, but the drums are always front and center. Like that's big time uh, showcased in this song. Like this is a, this is a song for the drummer and the bass player to like, to shine and this is like the first track on the record which is really cool yeah and matt so so matt tong he's the drummer they went through eight drummers Whoa. before landing on matt because eight drummers yeah eight drummers dude wow and matt is just a he's a fucking machine he's dude. great so th- i mean that tells you that like they needed and always knew that they needed like a really strong drummer if they, you go through eight that's eight insane drummers. well they were saying like you know there were some some guys that that were behind the kid that, you know, they just didn't feel like, it didn't seem like they wanted to be there, like they weren't into it. Oh, uh, okay. Or, um, you know, yeah, it just wasn't a good fit for the band. But yeah. yeah, you need this style of drumming and this like precision 
to pull off Block Party's sound. Um, you know, and that leads to that, uh, you know, the dance side of, of this post-punk kind of sound. Yeah. Well, so it wasn't necessarily that they couldn't find a drummer who could do what they needed the drummer to do. They just couldn't find one that meshed with them or wanted to make this kind of music. Or... Well, I don't know if that was the case for all eight of them, but like, you know. Most bands don't go through that many drummers their, the entire career of the band, you know, like the <laughs> right. entire run of the band. Right. And this is before their first record even comes out. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, perfect opener for an album. So good, dude. And what I like about a lot of his lyrics, you know, uh, they're very emotional. Um, so this is a song about dealing with, uh, you know, those feelings of, um, you know, your relationship kind of failing, you know, falling apart. Like, it's so cold in this house. It hurts all the time when you don't return my calls. I can't eat. I can't sleep. Can't sleep. I can't dream. And there's a great quote here from a guy named Mike Diver. He says, Silent Alarm didn't just make the band household names. It was a pivotal post-millennium release. You can wear your heart on your sleeve while delivering punchy, pop-savvy rock music that appealed to radio heads and dance floor doyens alike. I don't know what doyens is. Could be a, like a British term. Good term. <laughs> And that bridged the commercial critical divide brilliantly. Very true, dude. And yeah, mm -hmm. he wears his heart on his sleeve with these lyrics. And um, yeah, I love his voice. I love his delivery. Yeah. And uh, I've got another clip here. I want to show uh, just kind of the outro of the song, the buildup, and there's kind of a change up at the end that's really cool. So here is clip two from Like Eating Glass. So awesome, dude. Yeah, I love it when a song ends like that. It always gives me goosebumps, man, that ending. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love those lyrics. He says, we've got crosses on our eyes, been walking into the walls again. He was interviewed in The Guardian, and he said, cartoon characters have crosses on their eyes when they die. <laughs> I always thought that was a really powerful image. I was just trying to convey in a really childlike way what it was like to be in a relationship that was falling apart. The quality of being completely disoriented. It's great, dude. I feel like um, the tone of, of their guitar playing is kind of more in line with Interpol's guitar tone. Yeah. Or um, Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Especially when you listen to the singles, Helicopter and Banquet, you know, the, the big singles. Yeah, but they don't do much distortion, I feel like. It's very angular style with some reverb on it. Um, and I, I really like that that style. 
because it, it really it, i feel it matches the the lyrics and just the, the tone overall of the of the group is very cohesive like his vocals the lyrics the the guitar and everything and all it all works really well together i feel like yeah i love his uh his voice yeah man where do we go from here that's a that's a great song you know so this next one dude is uh, a bit more heavy i'd say and um very uh percussive heavy and i'm kind of cheating here because this is technically a single from their uh they had an ep that came out before this in 2004 uh but this is a completely re-recorded uh song you know so it's totally different vibe sounds sounds kind of different from how it sounds on the ep um but yeah dude this is uh again you know just kind of showing what else these guys do uh on silent alarm so this is track six it's called she's hearing voices Cranked up that distortion for you, dude. Dude, I love it. Um, so do we know if... This is probably mainly Russell, right? The guitar player. Because um, he does the lead, right? He's the lead, yeah. Yeah, he's great, man. He's He's got a lot of... Uh, I was actually looking into his... Sort of his gear rundown um, just now, actually, while this was, was playing. Because I was wondering, like, what kind of effect pedals and stuff he uses. For this record, it seems like it was pretty pretty minimal like he had a um basically like a, a a distortion pedal an overdrive pedal and like a delay pedal and that's it or at least that is what um people noticed on his um his performance uh, their conan o'brien performance back in 2004 when they were promoting this record that that's all he had and they were playing banquet right but anyway like that's kind of his his pedal setup for for this era and like he does a lot with very little, you know, mm-hmm. as far as his, his, uh, his guitar pedals and the effects and stuff that he's putting on here. But, um, yeah, I just love it. 
and I'm I'm hearing some Foles yeah. math rock vibes in a lot of these songs, but um, but yeah, they take that and and make it more uh, you know dancey even uh, you know like that drum beat especially it's very um, it's you know it sounds like an electronic dance beat you know like in the way they record it it's very punchy you know well the drums come on very strong again yeah right from the outset of the song you know uh so i'm going to quote kelly again here he says there's a real sense of space and atmosphere that you will hear in a techno house style but you will not hear in a three-minute guitar pop song it is a very difficult thing to put the two together without sounding lame (laughs) yeah that's what they were trying to achieve with this record and they really pull it off dude so it's worth noting, Q, if this matters to anybody listening, uh, that both both Russell and Kelly, back then at least, primarily used uh, the Telecaster as their, their main guitar. Both of them did? Yeah. Nice. Uh, which is cool. Because, you know, it's the Tele or the Strat as far as the Fender guitars that most people think of. But um, I think it's interesting that they both chose to use the same guitar. Yeah, that is cool. I think that, you know, that means that they, they wanted to 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 be like uh in sync in that in that way as far as and it makes sense if the with banquet they're going back and forth you know what i mean right kind of sync synchronized with each other yeah let's talk about these lyrics too dude i like him a lot so she's hearing voices it's about a paranoid schizophrenic she's hearing voices call her she's hearing voices warn her i love the chorus dude she go red pill blue pill Red pill, blue pill. Of course, that's a reference to the Matrix, you know? Yep. Really cool, really cool. Man, it's it's hard to undersell or underestimate the impact that the Matrix had on pop culture. Like, it's, Yeah, dude. Like, you don't, th- like, when they came out, I mean, you and I were young. I think it was, what, 99 that the Matrix came out? That sounds right. Yeah, 99. So this is just a few years later. But yeah, that, that movie, man. I was watching, uh, there's, there's a documentary, I don't remember what it's called, but um, it talks about basically uh, the world being a matrix type thing where- This is all a simulation, dude. Yeah, but it was talking about the impact of the matrix on that whole um, that whole mindset and stuff. Yeah, man. Anyway, let's take a quick break. All right, dude. So, moving on. This is my favorite song on the record. Always has been. I'm just, I'm I'm pumped right now, dude. I'm really hoping that you haven't heard this song before, dude. All right. So this is track nine on the album. It's called "Price of Gas." <laughs>
<laughs> you ever heard that song? No. Oh man. Which is crazy to me that I've never heard that before. Yeah. But that yeah, that's great. That that's a perfect example of of, of everything that makes them different. Yeah. That's the dancey side of it. Yeah, dude. And all the guitar all the stuff that he's doing with his guitar, again, dude. Um Russell Lissick. He he may not get as much credit as he deserves. Uh, from that from that era for what he was doing, but I, I I love that they that they reference Radiohead as an influence because like you can hear it like you can hear that they're experimenting and, and doing different things and they don't sound like Radiohead at all. But I'm just saying like as far as if that's their mindset of like you know Radiohead always strived to do different things and to experiment and to mix in different styles. Yeah, they were role models if anything else, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they are. It, with Block Party, it's it's all it it all sounds cohesive. Like it all sounds like the same idea or the same um, band, I guess. With Radiohead, like you'll they bounced around a lot more, I think. But yeah, you can hear it with the way they're experimenting with the guitar and like some of the effects they put on his voice and and, and yeah, um, really cool stuff, man. I love I love all that stuff he's doing in the background with, with, with that guitar. He uses his effect pedals um, in a really effective way. Well, and you mentioned them using the same guitar. And yeah, they do kind of uh, like it feels like you're hearing just one guitar, um, you know, but you can tell they're they're bouncing back and forth. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing that in every song. I know they did it in Banquet. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, really cool. Yeah. And those drums too, man. Just, yeah. I mean. The, dr- the dr- drummers and the bass player. Just a machine, dude. Killer, yeah. All right, man. I got one more song for us. So this is, again, going to be a little bit on the heavy side, you know, which I like. So this is track 11. This one's called Luno. example of of that guitar playing man so that's his delay like you can hear his delay like he's just kind of turning the knob on 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 the delay a little bit yeah really cool uh, which sounds really awesome yeah man drums again dude front and center oh yeah this album stands out man it really does but you know you gotta you gotta listen to it from from track one because again like if all you know is helicopter and banquet i think helicopter and banquet are similar to other bands that were 
out at the time and maybe that's why they they were the the songs that they made it to the airways and stuff because it it sounded like what was happening but like you said that's not what makes block party block party you know no it's more some of this other stuff the the other ways that they're experimenting and that's why i was taken back by the taken aback by the the dance punk genre that i saw in there because but you hear it yeah you hear it on some of these other tracks, but you don't necessarily hear it in Helicopter or Banquet. Let's let's play Helicopter, dude. We we keep talking okay. about it. I really want to, you know, bring this home. That do you like, want to hear Helicopter or Banquet? Let's do Helicopter, dude. Okay. Yeah, it's it's even more like Helicopter is like like in your face right from the beginning, and it and it's it's great. It is, but like you know, like you were saying, it does feel more like the you know post punk garage rock stuff that you're going to hear around that time. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right, so here is that mega hit that everyone knows, Helicopter. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. It feels different to me. There's, it's, it's just not as like. It's not as interesting. Yeah. And like, you know, he was saying there's a real like space and atmosphere that you get in like a techno house style. Yeah. You don't really get that with helicopter. And so I'm going to quote Pitchfork here real quick. So Pitchfork gave the album an 8.9 and it got that seal of approval, best new music so it was up there for Pitchfork um, for, for music in 2005. Um, but here is what they say about it in the review. Just kind of talking about how like it did kind of fit into like a kind of like a cookie cutter album. He says, so you get all the usual scrubbed up gifts, the slower song, the slower song that turns into a faster one, the one with the studio effects, the one with the hand claps. A lot of this material is surprisingly scripted. Hmm. I don't agree with him at all. And I feel like if all you know is Helicopter and Banquet and you hop on Pitchfork and read this review, you know, like, why would you even bother listening to the rest of the album? If it's just another, you know, scrubbed up cookie cutter album, you know, like, oh, we've got the slower song. We've got the slower song that, that speeds up at the end. We've got the hand claps. You know, they're, I think they're selling it short here. Yeah, it's not. it's not really. It sounds like that person... Maybe just listen to it, you know, like a glance, you know what I mean? Like took a quick spin through the album and then wrote a wrote an article about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
reviews aren't always accurate. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've watched a movie and like loved it and then went, went on to uh, Rotten Tomatoes or something like that just to see what the score was. And it just got like complete. It just tanked completely on like the audience score was really low or something like that. But I love the movie, right? So happens all the time. If I had if I had went to Rotten Tomatoes and been like, oh, I'm not gonna watch it. It got like a forty percent score. Then there you go, dude, missing out on a good movie. Yep. Same goes for especially with Pitchfork. And uh, dude, and this is what we say. I think we've said this about Pitchfork before. Back in this era, I feel like Pitchfork was super. They were harsh, dude. They were trying. They they were trying to to be uh, confrontational and like uh, super hypercritical. You know what I mean? Well, it's weird that you know they give him an eight point nine, and then he says something like that. Yeah, that is fun. Now, of course, I'm just pulling that. You know, like that's just one line from the review. Sure, sure. But I thought that was interesting. Eight point nine is pretty damn high. That's actually very high, high, especially on yeah. Pitchfork. But anyway, I, I think a lot of the Pitchfork stuff in the 2000s was was very like opinionated and super, it, yeah, snobby. Um, yeah, very snobby. They they seem to have have stepped away from that a little bit more nowadays. I'm sure they've changed hands many times since. Yeah, then. just brought on more different writers and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it seemed like they would like. Who doesn't like this kind of music? Okay, you you get to review this record because <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna say stuff that's just like not even relevant, you know? <laughs> right. Anyway, well, dude, I've got another clip from Luno. I I almost forgot another thing that I like about their songs is um, the bridge and uh, you know the outros of the songs are always really interesting and cool. They always change it up at least once in the song. So here is clip two of Luno. awesome dude love it i just like the imagery of like your nose yeah like your nose is bleeding you know (laughs) yeah in a in horror movies and stuff that's always like a bad omen you know oh the nose is bleeding they're they're possessed or the nose is bleeding you know something something's about to go down you know if your nose is bleeding there's nothing nothing good's about to happen you know what i mean i wonder if he's talking about like a nosebleed from like doing too much coke you know, because maybe like the rest of the song is about um, someone that he knows that has uh, changed in a bad way over time. It's about memories you have of people and how life changes. That is what Kelly says. Um, yeah, he says, your nose is bleeding. You've been lying to me. I just I think it's funny, the the, the thought of him saying uh, 
you know, like, oh, hey, by the way, your nose is bleeding. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> yeah. It, it, anyway, anytime you see a nosebleed in, in a movie, that's like, it, for some reason, that's like, oh, shit's about to go down. You're thinking about uh, Stranger Things, dude? <laughs> well, Stranger Things. <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of Netflix series, there's a new one called Fear Street that I've been watching and bloody nose is it means you're, you just got possessed spoiler alert but uh, oh shit yeah anyway it's a trope i feel like yeah yeah well that's all i got dude quick and dirty on this one dude a reminder to, to, to go listen to this record again for sure that's what i'm gonna do um that new appreciation for the guitar player man really i've always i've always loved uh what they did on banquet and stuff but hearing all the other things that, that he did on this record he did he did a lot of cool things on this record with with um like I said, I know there's some distortion here and there, but it's a lot of like that reverb, overdrive, delay. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so I brought the more uh heavy, you know, more exciting, upbeat, you know, fast paced songs. Like the guy from Pitchfork said though, there is some slow songs on here. Um and they are kind of what you'd expect to hear. Seems scripted. Uh, feels kind of forced, but still very good. Definitely worth the listen all the way through. Definitely. And I, I just love how consistent the mood is, you know? Yeah, his voice, dude. I love his voice and his songwriting. Yeah, he has. A, there's a lot going on in that voice. A lot of, like, pain, anguish that he gets across. Yeah. Standout album from that era. And, um, yeah, man, that's it. That's all I got. That's, a, yeah, good, good, good tunes, man. Good tunes. Yeah, it's awesome that that I was able to bring some tunes that you'd never heard before, dude. Yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> crazy. Because I, I know we had this record uh, burnt on a CD because I remember the, I could see the uh, Sharpie letters in my <laughs> mind right now. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I, I broke one of our, our sins, man. I went straight to the singles, probably. How dare you? And then hit eject and maybe popped in an Interpol or something. But um, How dare you? got to practice what i preach man (laughs) so we went from blink to block party which was kind of um kind of a a shift what are we doing next man i think we're going to shift it again well next week we're going to do our what you heard but after that we have talked about doing a a i guess he's a producer named Roiksop. oh hell yeah dude so we're going to do Roiksop next and if you if you're unfamiliar with him you probably know one of his songs from a Geico commercial. Oh, Rorksop's two dudes. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. There's I two dudes that. in that band. Okay, okay. Uh, so Rorksop, you may you you probably know at least one of their songs from a uh, a Geico commercial that was pretty well known. It was the very first, uh, if not first, maybe second commercial of theirs with the caveman. Remember? Yeah. So there's a uh, there's a the song playing in the background of one of those commercials uh, that is a, a Rorksop song. But anyway, one of the reasons that we're going to talk about this record that's called melody am is that it features erland oya of kings of convenience on some of the uh tracks i think one or two tracks yeah poor lino and uh remind me and those might be singles yeah they're both singles okay but, but we'll, we'll we might play it anyway oh yeah dude we'll play it yeah because you know we talked about kings of convenience a couple of weeks back uh, a few weeks back we thought hey Let's do Workshop. It's a killer record. It is, man. It really is. Uh, lots of singles on here. We may have to we're gonna have to dig a little to find the the good tunes on here. But um, anyway, so that's that's what we'll do after that, and then maybe we'll we'll stay in that pocket for a little bit, 
it's been a while since I've I've been in a down tempo mood, but I feel like we barely scratched the surface with with electronic and and down tempo on this show. That always happens on here, man. Like yeah, like we'll get back into it and then have like maybe two or three episodes and then steer into another direction. Yeah, it's really hard to um to like have a good representation of down tempo. You know. Yeah. Well, we've done Tosca. Well, that was a long time ago. Um, what else have we done, really? Really? I mean, we've done, like, Eamon Tobin and bands like Com Trues, Tycho, stuff like that, but but anyway, there's a lot that we could we could stay in that vein for a little bit. I feel like that would be a good uh, transition from Rourke's Up, you know, kind of ease us into that. Yeah. All right, well, there you go. So we'll, we'll mix it up. You know, we've been, we've been doing a lot of rock lately. It's time to, time to switch directions again. So, yeah, we'll do Rourke's Up. After next week's What You Heard, and then we'll see what happens after that. All right. Well, that's that's all we got for you for this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at NoFillerPodcast. Reach out to us and uh, let us know what you think about... Just let us know what you think in general. <laughs> what are you thinking? Tell us, uh, tell us a song that you've been listening to lately that you've been really digging or a band that you've been really digging on lately. Uh, if, you, if you get that into us before we record our What You Heard, we may um, we may use you as an outro and uh, feature your song. We, we've done that before with a couple of listeners, so reach out to us. You know, I want to do that for every What You Heard, dude. I'm hoping we can get outros for our What You Heard's from our listeners, dude. That's what I want. Yeah, basically, you know, we want to know what, what have you been hurting lately? What You Heard. That's the name of the show, the episode. Yeah, what have you been hurting? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. You can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. That is the uh, the home of of many great music podcasts. It's the the music centric podcast network. We are a part of that family. That's pantheonpodcasts.com. dot com. And uh, I'm going to throw it back to you because you've got an outro song for us that you're going to tell us about. Okay, so I've spent the last couple hours searching for a song. Uh, because according to Kelly, that song, Like Eating Glass, was inspired by a remix of the Smiths' There is a Light That Never Goes Out. And that's one of my favorite Smith songs. It had to be a remix that he heard from around 2002, because that was around the time that they were working on Like Eating Glass. I have looked everywhere, dude. And I can't find a remix of that song from around that time. Best I can do, and, you know, this could be the song that he was referring to. There is an electronic artist that goes by Schneider TM. Very um, electronic-y, pop music, dance, IDM stuff. So it's very possible that this is what Kelly was listening to in 2002. It's not a remix, it's a cover of that Smith song. So we're going to play us out with that. So this is a cover of The Smiths, There is a Light That Never Goes Out by Schneider TM. He calls it The Light 3000, and that's going to play us out. Thanks again for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.